Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do the impossible. I'm going to try to preach a message and share my heart on the election in 30 minutes or so. Um, and I'll make it not so much or so, but mostly, mostly the time that we have left. So I want you to get your Bibles out as we're continuing to, uh, to move. This is the last in the series on exiles, and I hope you've enjoyed this. And my, my hope has not been just to try to inspire us, but to be really practical. How many of you know we're, we really are living in a time where God's people uh, need to demonstrate courage? The message this morning is called Facing the Lions. And I want to encourage you that at some point in your life, you, there's going to be lions to face. And you need to be ready for that. Every one of us has opportunities, whether it's on a grand scale or a small scale, to stand up for Christ, to stand up for what we believe, to demonstrate courage and conviction. And, um, and it's very, very important. How many of you know Jesus said some pretty radical things? One of the things he said that should get our attention is he said this. He said, he said, those that will deny me before men, I'm going to deny before my Father in heaven. Those who will identify with me before men, I'm going to identify with you before my Father in heaven. How many of you know it's very important to stand boldly for Jesus Christ and not be ashamed? Am I talking to the right crowd? Let me say that again. It's very important that you boldly stand for Christ, that you're not ashamed, and that you live out the gospel. And, and if you're new to us this Sunday, we've been establishing some framework for how do you do this. It's great to say, hey, be courageous. But most of us by nature aren't courageous. Most of us are chickens by nature. Am I talking to the right group? I mean, nobody likes confrontation. Nobody likes to stand in the face of opposition. That's just not how God's wired us. And so we need to learn how to develop courage and conviction. And when we look at Daniel, what a perfect example Daniel has been for us. Somebody living in a hostile pagan environment. And he demonstrated to us, for, for, for all time's sake, all the way for eternity, that you can live in a hostile pagan world that is against Christ and against your beliefs, and you can live successfully. You can walk in purity. You can walk in integrity. You can walk in, with your convictions, and you can walk with a clean conscience before God. How many of you say amen to that? So don't say we can't do it and oh, it's so hard and America's you know becoming godless. This is the time for the church to shine. This is your best hour. This is when God's going to raise us up and show off his church. And so very quickly, Daniel was a man of character. He was a man of consistency. He was a man of conviction. He was a man of a clear conscience before God. And he was a man of courage. He knew how to stand in the face of fear. And I just want to tell you this morning, any of you that think being courageous means that you're fearless, you got another thing coming. None of us are fearless. And every one of us, if you've been in any kind of a traumatic situation, you all know what I'm talking about. Your body has a mechanism that starts pumping adrenaline through you when you're facing conflict or you're facing a traumatic situation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever feel just rattled on the inside? And on the outside, you're not shaken, but on the inside, you're shaken. Well, what's going on there? You just confronted something that shook you to the core of your being. And how many of you know when the children of Israel, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, as, as Terry ministered last Sunday, when they're thrown into that furnace, they're not just chilling out going, hey, we got this. No, no, there, there's something going off on the inside. How many of you know that, that fire would make you pay attention? And, and you're watching as you're getting closer to that, and, and they're having something going off on the inside. When, when Daniel, after he knew that he was forbidden to pray, he walks right up and goes right to his window where he always had prayed, and he kneels down, and right in the face of, of that law, he, he resists that law, and he prays boldly, and he prays with clarity, and he prays to his God. I mean, you know, he, know, he knows exactly that there's consequences for that. And here's my point. When I've had to do things that push me out of my comfort zone, sometimes I faced it with my knees knocking and sweaty palms and my stomach was full of butterflies. But here's the cool thing about courage. Courage is simply the ability... To fear God more than you fear your fears. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means your fears are prioritized. And it means that you fear missing God more than you fear anything else. How many of you know when, when Daniel's facing this, he's realizing, you know what? There's lions that are going to be potentially waiting for me. But I fear the Lord God Almighty more than I fear the mouths of beasts. And I'm going to put my life in his hands. And that's what we see over and over and over again 
from Daniel. Now I'm going to hyperspeed this. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 6. And I want to read verses 13 through 28. And I want you to follow along with me quickly. I'm just going to make a couple of observations. And then we're going to spend the remainder of our time bringing some clarity to this election. Verse 13, then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you, king, and he's ignoring your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. On hearing this, it says the king was deeply troubled. He knew a trap had been set. He knew he fell right into it. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. And in the evening, the men went together to the king and they said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. They approached him on the basis of the rule of law and the king knew that he was absolutely stuck. And look what it says in verse 16. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into a den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. Now I want to ask you this question. Is your testimony, is my testimony such that people would be able to say to you, hey, I've been watching you and the way that you, and the God that you serve and the way that you've served him faithfully, I've been watching all that over time. I mean, in other words, is there a certain, a certain uh, pattern, a certain testimony, a certain message that has been given off of your life consistently over time to where people at your workplace, not people here, but people at your workplace know who you are, what you stand for, the way you operate, and the love that you have for your God? That's a great question, isn't it? You know, when my dad was teaching in the public school systems, everybody knew that he was one of those crazy Christian people. He operated with excellence in his classroom, so they knew he was a good teacher. But he would share Christ every chance that he would get. And this is what I love, is that when crisis came in that public school, and there was some tragic deaths of some students that took place, his Jewish principal, who didn't know Jesus, went to my father and said, can you handle it? And my dad said, handle what? Well, we're going to call an all-school assembly, and I want you to handle it. My dad said this, you know what I'm going to do. And the, teacher, and the principal said, I don't want to know what you're going to do. Just do what you're going to do. <laughs> you see, when crisis occurred... They went to the man in the school whose testimony over the years had been one of righteousness, loving people, excellence, loving God. And how many of you know when there's a crisis, you don't go to pagan people looking for answers because they don't have any answers. You go to the people of God who have had a testimony of, of faithfulness and consistency in their walk with God. How many of you want to be one of those kinds of people? And I want you to see, and I want to drive this home that if you haven't faced the lions yet, they're coming. Most of the world has had to face the lions. Most of our brothers and sisters around the planet are facing lions right now. I can hear the roar of lions in the United States of America. We're, we're hearing their voices. We haven't been bit too much yet, but they're increasing. We hear the volume. The Bible says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now listen, sometimes it doesn't have to be a bad person outside of you that's attacking. How many of you know sometimes our stupidity and our sin open the door for the devil to devour our lives, our marriages, our families? Uh, We're not looking for real lions. Sometimes there's demonic lions that we welcome into our house through our own passivity. And I want to speak to every man in this place right now. This is a time for men of God to start leading in the church, all right? This is a time for men of God to lead in their homes. It's a time for men of God to make sure we're walking in integrity. And that word integrity is where we get our word integrated. It means your beliefs and your convictions are fully integrated into your life so that what you say and what you profess is the way that you live so that your children, dad, can look at you and say, I want to walk in the integrity that my father has. Praise God for you ladies out there. Thank God for your devotion to the Lord. You're the ones dragging kids off to church most of the time. You're the one leading most of the things. You're the one praying most of the time. You're the one teaching our kids. We got to stop this, guys. This is time for men to be men. 
It's not time to be passive. It's a time to stand up and to do what you need to do and to develop a lifestyle of integrity and faithfulness, even as Daniel did. Listen to this promise from God. Proverbs 20, verse 7. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. If you want to leave an inheritance for your sons and for your daughters, be a man of God. Practice what you preach. Spend time in the Word every day. Know the Word of God. Let your kids see you reading the Word of God. Let your kids see you leading in family prayer. Let your kids see you blessing their mother. Let your kids see you saying, hey, let's pray about this situation. That's how you leave a legacy for your sons that matters. Amen to whatever you said. My ears are not as good as they used to be. But I I know it was good. Faithfulness takes time, which is why I brought my mom up here. 78 years of faithfulness is something we should celebrate in the body of Christ. Our culture does not celebrate gray hair, but the body of Christ should celebrate gray hair. There's something about somebody who's walked with God for many, many years that deserves our honor and our respect, and we should be listening to the wine that comes out of their lives. Faithfulness takes time, and faithfulness is forged under pressure. Look at verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the dead. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. He was absolutely a goner. He had no hope. There's no way of getting out. The king returned to his palace, and interestingly enough, he spends all night fasting. This is an ungodly king. He refused his usual entertainment. He couldn't sleep at all. What an irony that the king, with all of his blessings, couldn't sleep, and Daniel's in the lion's den sleeping like a baby. Isn't that amazing? It says next, very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den, and when he got there, he called out in anguish, listen to this, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? How many of you know this king loved Daniel because Daniel was a faithful and loyal man. He served the king. There was, he was impeccable in his spirit of excellence and the king was grieved over the trap that had been set for his, one of his faithful men. And here, I want you to see this. Picture the world coming, running, standing at the entryway of this den of lions, crying out, Daniel, are you still there? Was your God able to save you? And I just want to tell you, how many know there are people watching your life right now and they're examining your life and they're looking at you and they're looking at the way you conduct yourself and listen to me, this is what they're hoping. I hope to God that what they have is real. Because you can't tell me a pagan king or your pagan friends or these people in the world that are full of despair and hopelessness that they're not looking for somebody to see if that smile that you have and that praise the Lord on your lips and the way you conduct your business and the way you pray to God, they are hoping that it's true because they haven't found anything else that they can put their feet on or get their, get their hands on that's, that's, that's lasting and satisfying. People are looking at us. I want you to think about this. People are looking, I'm going to put, not looking at us, they're looking at you. They're looking for people that could thrive in difficult times with the favor and the blessing of God on their lives. They're looking for somebody to believe in. They're looking for someone that says, you know what? Hey, Jesus Christ, there's hope with him. Trust me that you can really back it up. And I just want to say this. We're living in a sexually broken culture. We're living, the darkness is increasing. Listen, how, how many can agree with me that we're going to carry an anointing that sets people free, breaks the yoke, brings healing, that God wants to back up his word, that God is for real, that this is the real deal. We're not playing around. This isn't just religious stuff. This is the real deal. I'm telling you, I'm looking out at young people out there that are wanting to know, is this really the real deal? Uh, and they need to see it in us, all right? And the way that we live and the way that we carry ourselves. And listen, the way God backs us up as sons and daughters. God wants to back us up. Now, I just got to share that first service is completely different from second service. Sometimes you just need to come both times because you'll hear twice as much. I'm not talking about anything I talked about first service, which is really amazing. But I am going to tell you a story. The, the, uh, The picture, the building you saw up there, corner building. Wanting to plant a church there. Wanting to go right in the devil's district and bring light and love kids. How many of you with me on that? Okay. We're in worship the first day. 
this worship leader is leading all these kids that are street kids that you met Sean and Chris when they came here. They took these kids off the street, and some of you, they still talk about this. I, I threw out, I said, hey, some of you can invest in a keyboard or something. For $1,000, you can buy a keyboard, and they can teach these kids, these street kids that are being trafficked, they can teach them how to worship Jesus. $4,000 was raised last time they were here. They, they're getting ready to start and open up another place and provide instruments. These kids, there must be 50, 60 of them coming in off the streets. It's the only safe place in their life. They live on the streets. And this guy starts leading worship. These kids start worshiping Jesus. And, uh, and then she says to them, what's God showing you? And they start sharing pictures, visions, things that God put in their hearts. You talk about precious. And the worship leader says this. He says, I had a vision of leading worship in front of a church. And, he, and uh, uh, a church that would be planted. He doesn't know. We haven't shared anything about wanting to plant a church. And when we told him afterwards, right, Cora? We told him afterwards the building we were thinking of. He said, that's the building God showed me in the vision that I just had. Now, how many of you know? I got goosebumps just saying that. How many of you know God wants to do these things? He's supernatural. He's so big. He's so big. He wants to do these things. He wants to back us up. And so look what happens here. Daniel answers in verse 21. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. He is still operating in a spirit of honor. And basically what he's saying is, God protected me. I've been hanging out with an angel all night. It's been awesome. And I want you to know, God vindicated me. God vindicated me because I have done nothing but bless you, O king, and serve you. And I've done nothing to harm you. I want you to know... That when you stand up for righteousness, and I'm telling you, as the opposition, opposition towards God's people increases, you need to know that when the devil goes after God's bride, which is you and I, you've touched the apple of his eye, and you've touched not, something that is so dear to God, and God brings vindication and judgment on people that hate the church, hate him, and hate his agenda. I would not be wanting to be somebody, whether it's a legislator or whoever else, passing laws or pushing an agenda that is contrary to God and to his church. I'm telling you right now, if you're looking for a place that's safe, you're in the safest place on planet earth. You're part of the body of Christ. You're under the shadow of the almighty. You're in the shelter of God almighty. You're hiding in the refuge that is God himself. And I would not want to be any place else in this season than right in the heart of God being a part of his bride. That's my identity. That's where I live. Daniel says, long live the king. And in verse 23, the king was overjoyed and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. And check this out. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. This, some of you need to hear this today. You don't have to be facing lions that want to shred you. You don't have to be facing a life-threatening situation. Some of you are facing all kinds of personal challenges. Let me just give you a, this is so simple, such a little secret here. Why was Daniel delivered? The Bible says simply because he trusted God. Are you dealing with some financial pressure? Trust the Lord. Are you dealing with relational issues? Trust the Lord. Are you having to have faith? God, I need courage to stand up. Trust the Lord. God, I don't know what's going to happen in my job if I do this or that. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. It's really simple. Trust the Lord. Well, how do you do that, Pastor? It means you put your confidence in God. It means you invite God into your situation. And you say, Lord, this looks kind of scary, but I'm going to put my trust in you. That's what Christian people do. Pagan people freak out. Christian people trust God. God said this because he trusted him. Look at Hebrews 11. 33, by faith, it says, these people shut the mouths of lions. Faith in God shut the mouths of a bunch of lions. And I want you to see this. Look, let's keep going. Verse 24, and I'm going to wrap it up. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. 
I was reading certain commentators that don't believe in the supernatural. You know, they thought these lions were tired. They thought the lions were old. They thought the lions didn't have any teeth. That's why Daniel could sit with the putty cats all night long, and they wouldn't hurt him. But how do you explain toothless, old, tired, jet-lagged lions that shred their families before they hit the ground? They're, they're, they're in their bellies. That's even a bigger miracle for a toothless lion to do that. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs eleven eight, the godly are rescued from trouble, and it falls on the wicked instead. Proverbs 26, verse 27, if you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. That's exactly what happened to these men. And I'm just telling you, you're God's son, you're God's daughter. He loves you with with fury, all right? He loves you with unrelenting love. You're the apple of his eye. You're precious to him. God has your back. Do you believe that? God has your back. When people oppose you or they oppose the church of Jesus Christ or they oppose God's agenda, God has your back. And justice is coming. If it's not in this life, it's in the life to come. But justice is coming. Of course, this ends with a great declaration of a wicked king who makes an amazing declaration. Look at verse 26. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he's the living God. Can you say amen to that? He will endure forever. Hallelujah. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And it simply ends this section saying that Daniel continued to prosper. And I want to encourage your hearts this morning. That there will be people that will come to know Jesus through your testimony. There will be people that, that will come to declare the greatness of God who are pagans that don't even know God through what God does in your life. They won't be able to deny the power of the, uh, the gospel working through you in your life. They'll look and they'll see this. Why? Hey, I mean, you know, the proof's in the pudding. The proof's in the pudding. Let's be people that demonstrate the glory of God and, and you will prosper. Here's, here's the takeaway from Daniel. You can prosper in the midst of America right now as backslidden and far from God as we are. You can prosper. In fact, you should expect to prosper. God's hand is on your life. God's favor is on your life. God's going to swing open doors, opportunities, blessing. But listen to me. Sometimes you have to stand and face the lions. And if you don't face the lions, you don't get the promotion and you don't see the glory of God on your life. Now let's face some election lions right now. I've been asked by a lot of different folks, Pastor, what's your take? And if you've noticed, I've been very quiet on Facebook and other places. I was looking all the way back when, when, we were, when we were having the primaries here in Indiana. Some of you know I was interviewed on CNN, and Pastor Dick and I set up our studio. It was hilarious. I was on Pastor Dick's computer, Skyping. I think we were Skyping. And we had lampshades built, bent over for the proper lighting. We had the, we, it, it, it was hilarious. I took a picture of it. It looked like a hillbilly uh, studio. <laughs> I mean, if you walked in there, like CNN studio, hi, Pastor Ron here from our studio in Crown Point. <laughs> it was a joke. But anyway, it came out great. I mean, it looked professional. Nice job, Mr. Lighting. All right. But I told you the story when I'm talking to Carol, my friend Carol from CNN. She's not showing up on my screen. I can't see her, so I'm talking into a black screen. I just kept smiling a lot and trying to say something, but... At that time, what I tried to say was that this might be the first election where we as born-again, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians had nobody to vote for because this was the first time we may not have a pro-life candidate, pro-marriage candidate, pro-religious liberty candidate. What are we going to do? And so I've been watching. I've been on a journey. I've been paying attention. And uh, I just want to make a couple of things that I want to make sure we don't do this election season to start with. How many of you know this election should never drive a wedge between you and one of your brothers and sisters in Christ? In fact, I might share something this morning that somebody might have the uh, opportunity to be offended at me. Can I just beg you in Jesus' name, just keep loving me, and I'm going to keep loving you. Because here's the fact of the matter. Our kingdom affiliation so transcends our political affiliation, it's a joke. 
we're part of a kingdom that's going to go on forever, where Jesus is going to be king. So, you know what? As we're dealing with how do we choose a candidate, when both candidates seem to be so uh, imperfect, how do we choose a candidate? Here's what I'm trying to say. You might be sitting next to somebody that lands at a completely different place you do. You know what? Just love them. I mean, you know, we cannot afford disunity in the body of Christ now or any time. We need to continue to keep our eyes on the Lord and keep moving ahead with His agenda. He's still about winning lost people. He's about discipling nations. He's about occupying till He comes. He, we're still doing our vision, all right? And we're going to keep doing that till Jesus comes. So don't let this be an opportunity to get mad at a brother or sister in Christ. Number two, don't let this election become a wedge between you and the very people Jesus has called us to reach. I mean, you know, some of our language can be inflammatory. We say things that, that you know, we call people names. We get nasty. Um, that really doesn't help. And let me just tell you, I've had the temptation to do it all, and I probably have failed in doing it in the past. So I repent. But I've really been watching. There's been times I wanted to post something on Facebook, and I pause, and I go, you know what? That's not going to be redemptive in the long run. I might feel better for posting it. But no one's getting saved. And if someone's against me, I'm not going to do anything but offend them and push them farther away. So let's not push people away this election cycle. I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's what Jesus would have us do. Another thing I want to encourage us, let's not make an idol out of the state. In case you haven't figured out, there's not a politician that's going to make America great again. That, that, that nobody can do that. Americans can make American, America great again as we submit to God and as we live for Christ. God will bless our nation. But no leader is going to make our nation great. So let's not make an idol out of the state. The state's not going to save us. The state's not going to fix all the problems. In fact, how many of you know governments are usually good for creating more problems? Our job should be to shrink government, not to make it larger. Okay, that's another message. All right. It's also time to look in the mirror. It's been said that politics is downstream of culture, and culture is downstream of the church. What that means is, it's the church that influences culture, and it's the culture that elects people to office. Does that make sense? So here's the bad news as we're looking in the mirror. The two very needy candidates that we have representing us are a mirror reflection of the moral quality of our nation. How many of you know there was an election that took place in the Bible? It was between Jesus and Barabbas. Y'all remember that story? And they said, who do you want? This scoundrel, crook, thief, liar, or Jesus, this murderer, or Jesus, the sinless son of God. Give us the murderer. Give us the liar. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's, that's our election cycle. How many of you know we had a lot of very virtuous people that threw their hat in the ring? And here's the thing. People will always vote for the candidate they feel most comfortable with. And so the two people we have now should scare the daylights out of us. Because this is what our process has created. And it goes right back to you and I, the person sitting next to you, the person out there on the street. It's a mere reflection of the So here's what none of us should be doing. Oh, that person's so wicked. Oh, that person's so perverted. That person is a mere picture of the collective soul of the United States of America. We need help. We got to own the problem. How many of you know the reason we have to own the problem is because guess what group of people has been disengaged from government the longest? The church. Do you know we have something like 30, 40, 50 million evangelicals who are registered to vote and who don't even vote? It's why we have the mess that we have. Now, as a pastor, you know, we've done voter registration around here virtually every election cycle. We do voter registration. Why? Because I believe it's a civic duty to vote. I believe God's given us the greatest nation and the greatest government on the planet. It's, it's imperfect as we know, but you still have a voice in it. And as a Christian, you have an important responsibility. And let me just be really blunt. It is a dereliction of duty not to vote. And I, I've had some people tell me, Pastor, I don't want to vote. Why? Because I don't want to be called for jury duty. You need to come to Cambodia with me. You, you, need, to come, you need to come to communist China with me. And see what it's like to not have a voice. Our problem is we're just spoiled. 
We've been part of the problem, and we've got to own the problem. And I also have been preaching this to you. We have a much larger problem on our hands because this election is just the tip of the iceberg. I, the whole series on the abandoned by God uh, was to clearly point out that our nation has abandoned God for many, many years. And God, I believe, has taken his hands off of our nation and just said, fine, if you want to drive the car by yourself, go ahead. And how many of you know we're crashing into everything possible? And God has just said, fine, if, leave it up to your own understanding. Now, he'll be, he's waiting for us to return to him. Don't get me wrong. He loves us. But, but we, we're on our own right now. And I'm telling you, our biggest problem is not who gets elected. It's so much greater than that. Because our problem is we have a nation that's full of chaos and contention and corruption and confusion. And it's all because we've rejected God. And the church needs to own that too. Because we're responsible for seeing our nation turn back to the Lord. Let me give you some principles for the poll booth really quickly here. Not voting is never an option. Unless you have no one to vote for. But not voting is not an option. Second point. Voting for a sinless candidate is never an option. Jesus is not running for office. Which means this. All we've ever had to choose from are sinners just like us. That is not to say that character does not count. Character does count. Character is so important in a leader. But even the greatest of our leaders with the best character are sinners. And so what I don't want you to do is look at, at uh, Hillary Clinton and look at Donald Trump and say, well, you know, they're both so flawed that I can't vote for either one of them. No, they're both sinners. And they've both done a really good job at it. We shouldn't be shocked at that, that that's our choice. And that shouldn't disqualify either one that they're sinners. They both need a Savior. They both need Jesus like we all do. So... We're not going to find a sinless candidate, so don't sit back and say, well, I'm not going to vote for anybody because they're both so, so uh, distasteful. You don't do that. But here's another point that's very important. Voting for evil is never an option. Notice what I just said. You can't help but vote for a sinful candidate, but you can not vote for someone who's promoting evil. And I just want to be real clear here. When you promote abortion on demand for a full nine months and you promote partial birth abortion where the child's head is ready to come out of its mother only to have scissors drive in the back of its skull, its brain sucked out, and call this a right, I'm telling you, a person that pushes that type of legislation is wicked and demonic, and you should never, ever vote for a person who promotes that. So I'm telling you this morning, Hillary Clinton is not an option for lovers of Jesus Christ. She's promoting wickedness. She has become more brazen in her alignment with Planned Parenthood. That's just one area. She's also promoting perversion, uh, creating perverse behavior to become civil rights, which brings the full hammer of the government upon God's people. Also opens our nation up to his judgment. We haven't even talked about all the corruption, which is up to here. Uh, it's unbelievable. We haven't talked about Benghazi. We haven't talked about the lying, the cheating, um, the, the uh, pay to play, all the things that are being exposed right now. We have corruption at the highest levels. It absolutely stinks. We cannot vote for people who promote wickedness. We can't promote people that are going to destroy the Constitution. We're not going to promote people that are going to stand for, uh, against religious liberty and trample our First Amendment. We're not going to look for people that are going to disarm us as a citizenry. Um, these, these are non-negotiables. These are cornerstone principles. So I'm just telling you out loud as your pastor, and somebody might be offended at me this morning, I just say, please listen to me. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to connect some dots. You cannot, in good conscience, stand before God at the end of your life and vote for evil. Evil is policy. Evil is an agenda. Evil is law that is looking to be implemented that promotes what God calls wicked or an abomination. You can't cast a vote for evil. Are, you, are we in agreement on that? You can't do that. So now that brings up the thorny problem. Well, what are our options? Well, let me bring up another thorny issue. Voting third party is currently not an effective option. I added the word effective there. Let me tell you why. 
There's a good candidate in the Constitution Party. I've seen the Constitution Party's platform. But how many of you know we don't have a viable third party? And what I mean by that is nobody who's running third party has a chance to win. So what do you do? Well, some of you will say, well, you know, Pastor Ron, I still can't vote for either of the Democratic nominee or the Republican nominee. I have to vote third party. My conscience won't let me vote for either of them. Well, you know what? I respect you. I really do. I respect you. And I say that's not a bad option. Vote your conscience at the end of the day. I'll support you 100%. Um, but here's the problem. In nine days, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump is going to be representing not only the United States of America, but it's going to step into the office of the most powerful person on the planet. It's a huge, huge office with far-reaching implications. Those are our two options. You can vote third party, but your third party vote will have zero effect. In fact, if you've been somebody who's traditionally voted Republican, your third party vote for somebody else will actually have a negative effect because it'll be one less vote. So I'm all for, hey, hey, if things keep going, let me just tell you, I've been disgusted with both parties. I've gone down and, and just so you know, I'm standing here as a man of God, not as a politician. I was the one down at the state house calling out our governor when he was soft on, on religious liberty, calling out our uh, Senate pro tem leader, calling out the speaker of the house, and they're all Republicans. And I are one too. But we were down there then, not as a politician. We're down there as a man of God, speaking on behalf of Jesus Christ and calling politicians to line up with the word of God. So I'm standing here with a clear conscience. No one said, well, pastor, you're, you know, you're being political. I'm, no, I'm being kingdom this morning. I'm wanting us to think in terms of a biblical worldview and what's at stake in this next election. So I'm just telling you, at some point, we might have to have third third party option, but that's going to have to be somebody with high profile, many years of experience, a huge base, an understanding of how this system works, and we might end up going that way. I'm not saying it's not a viable option. I'm just telling you right now, short term, it's not a good option because we're, we're going to, those are our two options. If you want to be a part of the game, if you want to choose, you're, you're stuck with two choices, which leads me to Mr. Trump. Now, let me just say, the reason I've struggled so much with this is I'm the one that preached, as our founding fathers did, that if a man can't be faithful in his most intimate connection, which is his marriage and his wife, why would you entrust that person to lead your nation? If he can't be faithful to his wife, why is he going to care about you? That's a great question. Which means if you're unfaithful in, at your most intimate attachment, you'll be unfaithful with everybody else. I have stood for purity and men of God and men that, that raise daughters in purity. And we've, we've seen all this underbelly, perverse stuff exposed. Now, again, it's not just Mr. Trump. Mrs. Clinton's got her own issues as well. And she's just, she's just as filthy and vile. The media just won't tell you about it. But here's been my question. All right, I realize Mr. Trump is a sinner, but is Mr. Trump pushing an agenda where he's promoting evil? I've been watching him. I, w- I want to make sure, is he pro-life? Well, isn't it interesting that out of all the people he could have picked for a running mate, he picked our governor, who I still believe has been the most stalwart pro-life advocate of any high elected official in our entire nation. Mike Pence wrote, wrote law to defund Planned Parenthood while he was in Congress. How many of you know that takes guts? And I just saw him on national television during the debate, arguing in a very bold and articulate way for the unborn. I also saw Mr. Trump on national television call out Hillary Clinton on her despicable stance on partial birth abortion and called it nasty in Trumpian fashion. Nasty. Called her nasty. I don't support that, but he, he called an ace an ace and a spade a spade. I, I had to amen him on that one. So I've been watching. I've also watched, did you see where Mike Pence's airplane slid off the runway and they interviewed him on, on national television on Fox News and this is what the presumptive nominee for vice president said on national television. He said, you know, my wife and I have always believed that the safest place to be living is in the will of God. And after he, first of all, thanked all the responders who did such a great job. He's such a gracious man. He's a very humble man. You'll never hear him speak in a nasty way about anybody. He's a godly man. 
He gave honor to the Lord on national television and said, being in the will of God is the safest place to be on the planet. I, I have the pleasure through some of my friendships with, for instance, Tony Perkins. I don't know of anybody who, know, who understands us. Of course, Tony Perkins is the founder of the family, or, or, uh, president of Family Research Council in Washington, D.C. I don't know of anybody who understands us and our issues and the word of God and is a godly man, a man of prayer, and who understands what's going on behind the scenes in Washington, D.C. This is what he said on a conference call to pastors. And this made me listen because I respect him so deeply. He said, America is hanging by a thread. That really shocked me in a good way, shook me up. He said, we are hanging by a thread. And this is what he argued. He said, first of all, he was, and for Tony to be fired up, uh, and agitated a little bit was unusual for him. But he, he's been taking a lot of heat from people in the body of Christ who aren't engaged, who haven't been involved in the process, who won't get involved, won't lead, won't run for office, won't vote, but sit up on their, on their religious uh, pedestals and shoot at everybody. While these people are working their tails off to fight to keep what remains. How many of you know the Bible said this? When the foundations are destroyed... What will the righteous do? The last eight years in Washington, D.C. have been a nonstop wrecking ball on the Judeo-Christian heritage, on the sanctity of life, on what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be married. We have seen a relentless assault on all these, an attack on the unborn. We've even had 12 disgusting videos produced demonstrating Planned Parenthood selling body parts, and, uh, and we continue to celebrate this organization and fund it from Washington, D.C. Um, I think that's more judgment piled up on the United States when we see it and we continue to ignore it. But here's where we're at, and this is where I've come to the conclusion. America, according to de Tocqueville, was the only nation he'd ever seen that was founded on a creed. America is a, a people of ideas and ideals. They're found in our Declaration. They're found in our Constitution. These are the expression of godly minds and godly hearts and Bible-immersed people, most of them, who created a system that was based on ideas and ideals. And here's where I'm at. While I find Hillary absolutely uh, impossible to vote for based on our biblical convictions, I'm looking at Mr. Trump. I'm liking some of the choices he's making. I'm also hearing this. Um, there are men of God. Again, I'm hearing this through Tony Perkins and others. There are men of God like James Robinson. Uh, Lance Walnow. I mean, there's, a, there's been a lot of it. James Dobson, who have been able to spend a lot of time around Mr. Trump. And these are men that have shared the gospel. I'm not sure. Some of you heard a report come out that Mr. Trump had received the Lord, whatever. I find those, you know, to be highly skeptical. You, the proof is always in the pudding. I'm still waiting for someone to come out nationally and say, please forgive me. I've, I've asked Christ into my life. He's changed my life. Please forgive me for the things I've said and done. That's a good sign someone's usually born again. We haven't seen that yet. But here's what, what is happening. Godly men are spending a lot of time with Mr. Trump's ear, and they're speaking truth to him. And here's what they're all saying. He is very, very open. In fact, James Robinson said that it was almost like a, uh, a spiritual fathering type of a thing where Mr. Trump, you know, he, he's not had anybody godly mentor him ever in his life. He's never had a spiritual dad. Um, he's having some of these men that are speaking truth to him, and he's hungry for it. How many of you know it's a lonely place to be at the point of the spear when you're getting attacked from all sides, and, and you don't know God, and you're out there just trying to do your best to keep it all together? God has a way of crushing people and breaking people, and I pray that that happens with, with Mrs. Clinton as well. But here's the point. Mrs. Clinton is not open to our issues, our views. In fact, how many of you know it, it took a lot of guts to tell the Catholic Church, you need to change your old-fashioned beliefs. Those old-fashioned beliefs were beliefs about biblical sexuality. It takes a lot of arrogance and pride to tell Christians, you guys need to change or else. And the or else is this. The government's going to be swinging the stick, and we will beat you into submission. You will bake the cake. You will bow your knee to the new uh, sexual revolution that's coming. You will bend. You will embrace it, or we'll put you through sensitivity training. We won't allow you to have jobs. We'll find you. We'll do all kinds of stuff, but, we, but you will pay for standing up for the word of God. 
Now, I don't know about you, that's a lot of arrogance and a lot of pride. And God will absolutely judge somebody who has the audacity to do that. Um, I would not want to be her, and I would not want to be anybody in that position because God will come to the defense of his church. I'm just telling you, if Mrs. Clinton gets elected, you will see an outlash, an attack on God's people and upon the church like you have yet to, to see. It's already happening. I've been preaching this for over a decade at this church. I've been telling you this for over a decade. Um, even now, you saw the high-profile case of a, a man who was working for the government who got fired because he was also a pastor, that now they're subpoenaing his, his sermons in court to use his preaching on the Bible as a, an attack on his character and to defend why they fired him. Any of you in this room that want to have a Daniel kind of reputation and stand for truth, I'm telling you, you're going to find it hard to get a job in public anything. If it says public in front of it, uh, your views will be scrutinized. And if you believe what the Bible teaches about human sexuality, you will not be hired and you will absolutely be fired. And if you have any questions on that, see me. I will give you documentation. It's happening right now. So here's where I'm at. I am not voting for a person or a personality. I am voting for principles and a platform. Because ideas matter. Tony Perkins was on the platform committee for the Republican Party. And some of you saw on the news, one, one member of the left said this. Tony Perkins has absolutely hijacked the platform committee, and now it looks like the Family Research Council with all their views. Well, what that means is Tony Perkins was successful in drafting the language for the most conservative, biblically-based party platform on the Republican side that we've seen in decades. Now, someone would say, well, Pastor, that's just a piece of paper. Well, your marriage certificate's a piece of paper. The Constitution's a piece of paper. Um, the Declaration's a piece of paper. Every law in the books is a piece of paper. Yeah, it's a piece of paper, but it's a piece of paper that says something that matters. Now, what we're trying to do is find people that will embody the principles. Right now, that's not my favorite choice, and I don't think it's your favorite choice. But we're trying to find somebody that will at least embody ideas that will lead to flourishing and blessing, not ideas that will take our nation and hijack our nation in a completely different direction, which I believe devastating consequences. We haven't even talked about the Supreme Court that's hanging in the balance. Um, But all these things, all these things are minuscule, hear me, compared to the church living with passion for Jesus and calling a nation to repentance and leading the way. How many of you know we have to change? You all getting this? The church has to change. The Bible says, if my people call by my name. God's not interested in pagan people changing the culture. They're going to sin because that's what sinners do. Sinners sin. The church is responsible for changing people. And so here, here, last comment. Now I'll cut you loose. Nine days from now, there's an election. I want you all to vote. Vote your conscience. We might land different places, but go vote. And we all believe God is sovereign over the affairs of men, but God never encourages us because he's sovereign that we don't do anything. Passivity is, not, is never godly. Go vote. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to wake up the next day or stay up late that night, and we're going to know that either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump is the next president of the United States of America. And you know what? On Tuesday mo- or on Wednesday morning, smile and worship and roll up your sleeves and do what Jeremiah prophesied to all the exiles in the book of Daniel. He said, you're going to be here and you're going to live here. So Mary, keep having kids. In fact, he said, multiply. He said, plant some trees. Go landscape your yard. Keep working your jobs. And this is what he said. I want you to work for the good of these people you're surrounded with. I want you to work for the good of the United States of America. I want you to stand up and be bold for Christ. Be somebody like Daniel who will not bend or bow. Know what you believe and stand for truth. And know that if you stand for truth, you're not going to stand alone. This is, this is a church that we're not a Anybody that's a guest here, we're not sissies. This is not a... This is not a Sissy Church. 
This is a time for fighters. It's a time for heroes. It's a time to make our mark. It's a time to be great. It's a time to have courage. It's a time to love Jesus. It's a time to press in. And I heard somebody say, you know, if Hillary wins, it won't be such a bad thing because, you know, all hell's going to break loose. And actually, that's good for the church when all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it's really great because you know what? People stop playing church. If, if we wake up and Hillary's present, I'm going to go, hallelujah, I'm going to buckle my helmet. I'm going to hold on, white knuckles. Because I know it's going to hit the fan. And, and you know what? Good men. Some here, Here's what I think it's going to take. It's going to take a pastor very close to you going to jail before anybody starts like feeling their pulse. Am I alive? Am, am I awake? Because I'm telling you, you're going to see... You will see, in 2017, you will see godly people going to jail for simply believing the Bible. Mark my words. That is the Hillary legacy. Change your silly backwards beliefs. Accommodate to modern culture or else. But irregardless, you know what your pastor's going to be? Happy. You know what your pastor's going to do? I'm going to keep doing like Daniel did. I'm going to keep doing what we've been doing for the last 30 years plus here at Living Stones. We're going to heal broken people. Come on, celebrate recovery. We're going to, we're going to keep healing broken people. Yes, we are. We're going to keep loving lost people till they come to know Jesus. We're going to keep feeding poor people, clothing poor people. We're going to, we're going to send out a thousand turkeys, all right? We're going to work with people that are get, trying to get back on their feet. The drug addicted, the, 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 the alcohol addicted, the broken. We're going to keep loving those people, you know, right till the end. We're going to keep healing broken marriages. What do you say? We're going to be committed together to raising godly families. I'm not going to say to any of you young couples, oh, hey guys, don't think about having babies because we live. I'm going to say, you have more kids than the Johnsons, for God's sake. We need, we need babies. We're not going to let, we're not going to let Islam take over the planet because they have more babies than us. Are you kidding me? I'm going to tell you, you guys better start having more babies. That's the truth. Have some kids. We need righteous seed. We have a long-term vision. We're taking over the planet for Jesus. Have babies. We're going to reform culture. Listen, we're in this mess because we got lousy leadership. For God's sakes, isn't there somebody in this place that could run for office? I already did it twice. I'm off the hook. I'm done. I paved the way. I'm done. No, I'm not doing it four times. I'm not Abraham Lincoln either, all right? I all know about Abraham Lincoln. No, I'm done. I'm going to get behind some of you. I'm just prophesying to you. Some of you are a million times better than the lousy leadership we have right now. You're saying, I, I just need to be led of the Lord. You're being led right now. I'm speaking. Run for office, for God's sake. What are you waiting for? Let's get behind people. We need to start infiltrating the system. And then lastly, we're going to plant churches on the corner of red light districts where baby little kids are being trafficked, and we're going to keep doing that. Pastor Veeble's wife, who, who is now with Jesus, had somebody who didn't like her or her message come up to her and throw acid in her face and all over the side of her face and all down her arms. All because of her strong stand for Christ. She died of the acid burns two years later. She's with the Lord right now. But Pastor Veeble is going to be here next Sunday. And you know what Pastor Veeble's doing? He didn't quit. He's moving on. He started another thousand churches since then. Started a Bible school and God blessed him with a new wife who loves the Lord. I want to hang out with people like that. I don't want to be part of these mamby-pamby religious sissy churches that never do anything controversial, never preach the gospel, never stand for nothing, never challenge people, never provoke people. Well, pastors, is, is it dangerous to go to Cambodia? I hope so. 
Live a little. Live a little. It's been said you're most alive when you're closest to death. You're most alive when you're closest to death. Harry Jackson, never forget, speaking at the Tony Perkins event, he just survived esophageal cancer. He almost died. He stood up with a raspy voice and he said this, I'm so excited to be alive. He said, I'm more bold now than I've ever been because I've already died. And man, I thought, oh, if most people would just lose themselves and embrace the gospel and live, do something with your life that's going to make a difference. You guys with me on this? This, this is the church Jesus died. How I many you know going to a cross was dangerous? It cost him his life. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. Can we just love God more than we ever have? Can we, and you guys, I'm not, I'm not chiding any of you. This is who you are. But you know, we have a chance today. We're going to love some people that are coming from this. Some of them, first time they've been to the United States of America. I want to take them out to eat. I'm going to buy them a big old roast beef sandwich that's like big as their head and let them eat it and just say, man, we love you. Eat more. Here's some French fries. What are these? Oh, you're going to love them. American specialty. You're going to love them. All right, just roll out the red carpet, celebrate them. When Pastor Anuk comes up here and Pastor Anuk's been attacked by Hindus. He's been, he's been beaten before. Hey, let's give the guy some honor. What do you say? Pastor Veeble comes up here planting churches all over Cambodia. He's going to tell his story about, about being as a kid in a room full of dead corpses as a kid. They kept him alive because he was a cook. I mean, these are real people out in the world loving Jesus. Man, let's celebrate them next week. Don't, if any of you wake up and go, I'm tired. Just stay home. Go to the church down the street. Tired of those kind of folks. Get up. Let's do something. Life is too short. I feel alive. I'm getting dangerous as I keep staying here. I need to talk some more. I'm getting more and more alive. No, stay on your feet. I want to pray. Can you join me? And praying for our nation, believing that everything God promised this house, God is going to surely do. And we're going to see the glory of the Lord. And we're going to see a massive harvest. God Almighty, we cry out to you, Lord, for you to move on this nation, to give us a window, to give us a reprieve. God, that you look at your church. You don't look at unsaved people. You look at your church. What is my church doing in this hour? Do they care? Will they pray? Will they call out to me? Will they seek me? Do they appreciate the blessings that I've given to them? Will they fight for the freedoms that I've given to them? Or will they roll over and die? Will they, will they just passively not care? God, awaken us. Give us a sense of fire and urgency and courage, God, and conviction. And God, from the bottom of our hearts, we pray. That even though we're undeserving, God, even though the bloodshed in this nation screams for justice, Lord, God, we cry out for mercy. God, have mercy. God, hear the cries of your people. God, we have been a nation that has sent missionaries to the uttermost parts of the world. We've been the nation, Lord, that has been willing to go to places where people are being mistreated and abused, and we liberate those nations, and then we bless the nation, and we rebuild the nation. What nation does this, Lord? But Americans have done this because of you. God, we've been good because we've loved you. We've been virtuous, Lord, because we've honored you. And, Lord, we have been the people that have been the greatest blessing to the globe. Lord, there's a responsibility that comes with leadership. There's a price to pay for leadership. There's a privilege to lead. And God, we ask you that you would raise up somebody, somehow, in this nation uh, from Washington, God. There would be a voice for righteousness. Lord, return us back to the ancient past. God, keep us from running off the cliff headlong into destruction. Jesus, we want to honor you. God, we want to stand in the gap for this nation. We love our nation, Lord. And God, for the sake of our children and our grandchildren, 
Now's the time to get engaged, to speak, to lead, to serve, to pray, to fight. Now's the time. So, Lord, give us the courage to stand. Raise up some Daniels, God, from this house. Oh, Lord, do it, we pray, for your glory. We love you. We honor you, Lord. We lay it in your hands. And God, we pray between now and Election Day, help us to do everything we can to vote for righteousness and to change the course of this country. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We submit to you now. We pray, bless us. I, and, and we don't dismiss our church just to go home or whatever. How many of you know you are sent ones? And so when you leave this place, you're actually being the church. So we send you out of here in Jesus' name. May God prosper you everywhere you go. And may you be a bright voice for truth everywhere you go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.